Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Retro Futures Culture Podcast. Bringing it in 2023, but we're talking about 2033. That's Metro 2033, an amazing series of games. And to talk about that tonight, I have a very special friend and fellow co-host of the Adult Gamer Podcast, Mr. Fenrir765. Welcome to RFC, part of Ruminations Radio Network. How are you doing, Fenrir? Oh, I'm doing great, but... I'm a little confused. I watched Top Gun Maverick this morning for this episode, and I thought we were going to talk about Jennifer Connelly <laughs> and why she would be the better Lilith in the new Borderlands movie coming out. Damn. Wow. <laughs> I am half tempted to start this episode all over again. <laughs> oh, man. You didn't see that like roundabout coming through, did you? I, I did not. And, uh, <laughs> You know, if you find a bag of dog shit on your doorstep <laughs> on fire, I may have paid somebody to leave All it All right. Well, yeah. No, let's talk about 2033 Metro. It's, <laughs> I like that game, that series of games. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want the answer to this massive Easter egg, go listen to the last two years of the Adult Gamer podcast. But from then on, yeah, we're going to move forward talking about the Metro 2033 franchise. Um, it started with novels uh, from Dmitry Glukowski. Uh, the first one came out in 2005. Um, then he uh, was approached to make a game of it, and there was a Ukrainian studio, 4A Games, and they came to be the developers. They had some of them had worked on a previous post-apocalyptic game called Stalker: Heart of Chernobyl, but those guys had left and started their own team. And Dimitri thought, with their talents, they would be the perfect team to tackle the Metro verse, uh, so to speak. Um, Fen, how did you first hear about this game series or books, or what? What was the first thing that? got you into it well i remember the original release of 2033 and kind of i i don't really recall exactly why i didn't play it but i just never did and then there was the release of last light the sequel and i was still kind of like that looks interesting, but I don't know. And I just never played it. But finally on the Xbox one, when they came out with the redux, the redo version, I, uh, I bid bid on it and bought it on a nice sale and started playing it and was immediately hooked. Couldn't put the game down. Uh, the story just kept pulling me back in. Every time I had a free moment, I was playing that through 2033 then last light and then i got done with it and right after i finished it that's when they announced exodus and i was really bummed because i couldn't just jump right into exodus and play i had to wait a little while for that to happen so yeah it was definitely a game i missed out on and then now i'm reading through 2033 it's been a about a year or two since I've started it, I'm a very slow reader, but it's a very heavy book, uh, lots of details. So it's taken me a while to get through it. And it's been a really fun trip though. Cause it's just bringing back all the callbacks from the game for me. So yeah, I love, love, love 
love the series and I'm kicking myself for missing it when it first came out, but maybe that's a good thing in some ways. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm much like you, except wait, even later to the party. I remember when Exodus was coming out, uh, my buddy kicked was super excited and he's like, Oh, this is going to be so good. And he's like, I, I've played the first two and he's like, um, you got to play him. You got to play him. And I was like, eh, like I just wasn't for whatever reason. I didn't want to, I was just like, eh, I wasn't interested. I just ignored it. I was playing other stuff. I was playing a lot of multiplayer or whatever, maybe too much halo back when halo was good. Um, and, uh, I finally got around to it this past year and I kind of did what I did with Bioshock. I was, I just powered through all three games in the span of like six weeks or something. I spent about like a week and a half to two weeks with, uh, with each game and being blown away and, and even better playing Exodus now post real time ray traced enhanced edition on series X and, or, you know, if you have a PC or PS five, uh, that's seriously one of the best looking game experiences I've played. Um, but even the older, the Metro 2033 and last night, uh, the Redux editions, you know, um, they're older. They top out at 1080p, but they run 120 frames on Series X, which is kind of nice. And they still, art direction wise, are pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Story wise, story, sound music visuals the first two games gave me a ton of very john carpenter style vibes like early john carpenter stuff like like up through like 88 89 john carpenter not his not his later career stuff which you know i love john carpenter but his last few movies just weren't as good as his first four or five movies right those were all pretty solid gold um and then the third game was just like seeing that for the first time. I was like, holy crap, this looks this is the best looking game I've seen on Series X. Like I was blown away by the uh the lighting, the detail, the movement, all running at 4K60 with ray tracing. Uh better than some top tier studios have put out. So it's pretty impressive. Did you uh I know that you you only got to play that um the ray traced enhanced version recently and you were doing mostly the dlcs right yeah i've been working through the dlcs on exodus and that's where i've been getting the the series x edition upgrades and again like it's beautiful it is a very well done game and what you said earlier just how the the series especially in the first two games encapsulates the the mystery of what is going on throughout the entire game you know every corner is not like like you just don't know what you're going to expect coming around the next corner not in like a jump scare kind of way but just in a sometimes in well a jump yeah scare sometimes kind of <laughs> but it, it's more about just like what in this rabbit hole is going to happen next with everybody in these in this environment in this world in these metro tunnels especially like you just don't know what is going to happen and who you're going to run into and how that person is either going to be a friend or a foe and what the motivations of the people that you're with or 
about to engage with. And it just, it really did a great job, especially creating that eeriness. One of my favorite things about the, the game was, you know, you would walk through these tunnels and there'd be spider webs and cobwebs and all over the place. And when you walk through them, your character would, you know, wipe its, you know, the gas mask off or wipe it off your face or, you know, sh- mm-hmm. you know spite. It gets stuck on your stuff. If you turn on your yeah. lighter, you can burn them. The spiders would crawl across you as you walk through yeah. it. Like, you know, just like it just yeah. gave that atmosphere. Yeah. That's the word atmospheric. And it just, man, you're right. And then the sounds like hearing, you know, echoes through the tunnels, it just, it created this atmosphere that you never felt safe and you never felt like there was, you know, even when you're in a safe place, right? You're just like, all right, when, when's the other shoe going to drop? When's so you just are constantly trying to make it to the next point. And I think that was the coolest, you know, story driving story, uh, mechanic of like we're just trying to get to the next station right you know you get on a train you go from station to station i mean that you're doing that in this game but you're doing it in a way that has high stakes obviously to the story but it's just you know i don't know if i'm going to make it to the next station right that that's the that's the wild trip right so it's just the game just it is cool it is fun it it just hits all the right notes and I'm really, I will, I guess the word now is stan, right? You know, people stand for something. I will be a stand for Metro for ages because it, it's just a fantastic experience. It's definitely one that, that having played through it recently, I would tell anybody that hasn't played those games that's looking for a narrative-driven first-person game that really, like, it just sucked me into that world like in a way that not many games do with it that atmosphere just it puts you in the shoes of the main character and then that like you were saying that you're running around you're like in these underground subway tunnels fighting off like ghouls mutated bears uh factions of other humans that are all trying to kill each other you have to scavenge for ammo gas masks uh, air filters, food. I mean, you know, there's no survival mechanic, but you, you know, you grab that stuff to trade with. Um, and it just, uh, yeah, it's just cool. And I do, the first two games have a very, um, sort of linear campaign, but the levels themselves allow you for some exploration in them. Mm -hmm. There's lots of little Easter. And the more you look, the better you'll be rewarded, especially if you're playing on the harder difficulty modes, you have to search to find, the extra gear because you will not make it if you don't um well yeah let's a little bit of the story so um takes place in 2033 it's post-nuclear war on a devastated earth and we are in the eastern Bloc, soviet union russia moscow area in the metro system and people have gone into factions there's new stalinists there's nazis there's new um communist parties going on and there's a group called the rangers and they're trying to just keep people alive and in the 
metro. Everybody has to live in the metros because the entire surface of the planet is pretty radiated and there's mutated flying creatures and giant bears and giant gorilla type things that you don't want to run into. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> and, uh, in 2033 in the Northern station, they're attacked by tall creatures called the dark ones who have, you know, they, they could possibly be humans that have been mutated and now live on the surface. Um, and you play a character named Artyom who's approached by an elite ranger and asks for your help. Um, and Hunter gives you his dog tags and says you to take him to Polis, which is the capital of the underground metro system. And that leads you on your whole crazy adventure. You meet a crazy smuggler named Bourbon. <laughs> He's a trip. Um, you meet a crazy kind of pseudo hippie guy named Khan. <laughs> you meet a crazy blacksmith. Um, you know, in the first game kind of um, unwinds, you know, and you finally meet, uh, you make it to Miller. And that's also where you meet Anna, that who becomes a big part in the games later. Um, and at this point, Miller tells RTM they can, you know, use these missiles and D6 to blow up where the dark ones are. Cause they don't, they're scared. They don't know what they are. Um, and at the end of the first game, you, there's two endings depending on what you do. And one ending was definitely made canon going into the second yep. game. Uh, we won't go too much into the spoilers there, but just that whole like build up in that first game was pretty cool. And that whole last bit was there's some they do a good job of layering the tension on you when you're like climbing and shit's all falling apart. Oh, and you've yeah. got to do like quick quick time events to grab onto the ladder, um, and just you're getting swarmed with creatures. Um, they did a really good job of building building up your anxiety while playing those games, which is another thing like more of the modern kind of open world games can't do that. You can do in a really well done story driven game, like similar to half-life, you know, where they can move the plot forward on you like that. Um, and then we get to the second game last light. But before we get there, you were saying in the in the book they talk about, or maybe it's in the game they mentioned that that first game takes place in like what eight days, the whole yeah. story, which makes sense. It's pretty fast. Like you, you're literally running that whole game from the from the moment you get those dog tags. Oh, yeah. You you're trying to get to Miller, and you get bamboozled and sidetracked through various adventures <laughs> on the way there. And I think that's where like one of the the interesting things that I've always kind of chuckled at with the first game and it happens in the second game too, a couple of times is RTM uh, passes out several times throughout the game. And it's kind of like, uh, it, re it relates directly to a story beat, which if I don't want to give too many spoilers, if we're not doing that this episode, but it's just, you know, it always made me think like more time has passed, but really, I guess those past those blackouts, maybe only a few moments before he comes back. But yeah, eight days right. is what 
you know, I went back and looked at some uh, wikis and things to kind of refresh my memory on the game. And yeah, they, you know, you're right. It's just once you get the dog tags from Hunter, you're off on a mission and it just goes and goes and goes and you just keep meeting new people and new, new stations and seeing different groups of people and how they interact with each other. And the, the craziest part though is the whole factions, you know, you got Hansa, the red line, the fourth Mm -hmm. Reich, and then you have uh, like the, the council of Polis and the, obviously the Rangers as well, who are very important uh, group of people. And, you know, just the the story beats you get of the tension inside this metro between, you know, the Third Reich and uh, or sorry, the Third Reich, the Fourth Reich and the Red Line. And then how Hansa is this like group of merchants that, you know, are like armed merchants that have a, a grip on this like section of the metro you know how they these things are always just they're a house of cards ready to fall apart and just right and that whole bit with all that reminded me a lot of uh that gave me a lot of the john carpenter vibes like in escape from new york yes like the different the different clans running and i was just like the whole time i was playing especially that first game i was like man if John Carpenter had seen this like 20, 30 years ago. It would have made, he would have done a killer, killer movie out of this. Um, not that he couldn't do one now, but he's like almost 80 now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but maybe somebody who <clears throat> had the love of the series and kind of saw that same atmospheric feel could do that same throwing sort of thing. I'm not telling him to rip off John Carpenter, but maybe be a little inspired by him. And I think he would have a really, really good set of films and, or maybe a really well done um, television show. But I think this story might lend itself a little bit better to a movie. Um, Cause the pacing felt more like a movie. Yeah. It didn't feel like, you know, of a lot of the open world games definitely feel like a show that's going on for like eight seasons, whereas this felt like, you know, a good two, two hour, two and a half hour tops movie. Um, I would see like each you know. game in itself would be a movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I think you could do a solid trilogy. Of that. One question I want to ask you is how did you feel about <clears throat> the ammo currency mechanic? that was done in the first game that they kind of did away with later on in 2020 uh, 2033. They, um, well, they did away with it in Exodus in the first two games. Yeah. You're using military grade pre-war Soviet made seven, six, two and nine millimeter shells as currency to buy and trade with. And that was, you know, and you could buy the cheaper, Metro made 762 ammo, which doesn't do as much damage because it's probably made out of spent casing and yeah. you know cheaper materials. Um I don't <clears throat> I don't even think I used any I don't think I actually fired any of the military grade ammo 
in the uh, first two games, I was so concerned with running out of ammo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm going to use this. this I mean, there were moments where I'd get to an end of a level um, and have no or very limited ammo. There was one area where I totally screwed up and ran out of air filters. And I must have had to load this save 20 times before I figured out the exact amount of time I needed to run. Cause I finally found one so that I could run backtrack, find this filter and get this switch done to get to the next part. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, I was so mad at myself for not paying attention to how many filters I had. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but before we get on to talking about more Metro, especially Last Light and Metro Exodus, we're going to take a quick break from Retro Futures Culture so you guys can hear about more awesome shows on Ruminations Radio Network. You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the Rumination Radio Network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcast here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Retro Futures Culture Podcast coming at you with the Metro 2033 Trilogy. I'm joined by my friend, pal, and rib jabber Fenrir765 he loves to tease me about Borderlands especially the movie Uh, we're back talking about the Metro series Um, we just finished sort of talking about the first game and the first novel Um, now we can kind of get into the second game Metro Last Light Um, direct sequel to the first one that kind of takes off from really from the uh, the canon ending in the first game is you know you fire the the nukes and why you think you wipe out the dark ones, but in the second game, you find out that there may be one still alive and con con comes to you and says that he thinks that that's the key to humanity's survival. He has a feeling cause he's kind of like a hippie mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, Miller, who's the supervisor of the Rangers and, you know, doesn't think it's a good idea. And he wants you to take out this creature um, what did you think about that when you first started playing Last Light? Well, it, it's interesting because I jumped right from Metro 2033 right into Last Light because yeah, you know, I had same. the Redux. And I had the good ending and what was considered the good ending in 2033. So when the game started, I was like, you son of a bitch. You changed everything on me. And so I was a little annoyed by that, but it didn't last long. I was fine with it and moved on. And so when it was like, all right, you got to go and kill this last, this last dark one. I was a little mad that I'm, I had to now completely go against everything I decided at the end of the first game. And I was really glad how that turned out, though. So it was it was a really interesting beginning, and I really decided I didn't like Miller at all based on some of the things he wanted you to do. But you get to meet Anna, Anna, his daughter, who she's she's a little bit of a pistol. She's fun. She. I know in the beginning of that game. 
in the beginning of the first in uh, last night, it almost seems like she has it out. For oh yeah, <laughs> to die. Oh yeah, she did not like. She calls you rabbit, right? You know, you know, as like the little the bait, the prey for yeah. the whole thing, and you know, she's just constantly poking fun at you, and and I was kind like I was I was kind of enjoy it, right? You know, like hey, let's let's see where this goes, lady, and yeah, it, it's. It's really cool. And then you come up to the dark one, right? And you're thinking you're going to see this massive dark one, which it is not the case. It's a, it's a child. And that was immediately in my brain firing. I am not hurting this thing. I will break this game if I, <laughs> if I have to hurt this thing. So there was that. Yeah, it was, it was really cool having to go through all that you know anger of what my decisions were from the first game not carrying over and then having to kind of fight that through the through the beginning of this second game and kind of finding out i I get to maybe get i don't know like redemption from the decisions that were forced from the canon ending, right? I don't know. Yeah, I will say, and and you know, you mentioned that in the first game. There's there's little kind of uh, conscious choices you can make with the characters, and in the second game, you run into one of the uh, communists who, at first, is your friend and helps you, and then he really stabs you in the back later because the whole time he really wasn't your friend. He was, you know, he was working for, you know, the red line. Uh, and, uh, you know, he really, uh, he really sticks you, leaves you in a bad spot. And when I finally got to the part where I caught up with him, <laughs> I made no hesitation. I left him, I left him there. I was like, no, I ain't, I ain't saving that guy. <laughs> I was pretty pissed off at him. I, I believe I made the uh, same but it, choice. But it was pretty cool that they even do that. And 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 yeah, at first I did not I would I was kind of taken aback by Miller's stance, but then I remembered Miller is trying to keep everybody in the metro safe. So when I thought about that, I was like, he's just doing what he thinks is the right thing to keep everybody safe and you know what I mean? Um but by the end of the game, you know, it works out, uh, especially because every you know there's there's like a bigger war brewing because everybody wants that that dark one to use for you know weapons means the Nazis want it the red line wants it you know Khan wants you to save him because Khan thinks thinks that's going to save the world and so the second game builds a lot on those moralities from the first game in a really cool way and. Um, I, I really loved both of those games back to back. They they really blew me away. Um and like I said, the uh the graphics by now aren't anything home to write about, but uh they still run really good. They look great. The art direction's amazing, the stories are fantastic. The voice acting's pretty good on the English side. I heard if you play it in Russian with the Russian subtitles, it's it's even better. But uh I played it just with the English dub on and I didn't mind. And after that, we get to the third game, which they the developers took a little bit 
more of an expanded look at the world and we finally leave the metro which is really cool the first level of exodus kind of sets you up for that and then you end up getting on a train and going to the outside world so you leave the metro but you still have a train right (laughs) and uh they give us not quite an open world like Far Cry or uh, the later Assassin's Creed games. Um, more kind of like hub hub world stuff, kind of like um, Outer Worlds or the original Halo games where you have these big areas you can kind of explore and do a bunch of stuff and then you move on to the next one. And um, at first I, I didn't, I wasn't quite sure if I liked it because it starts out really slow compared the first two games start at such a breakneck pace mm-hmm. and they don't ever really let up. And that third game starts in a really much slower pace. Now for me, as soon as I got through that first open world area in Exodus and kind of got some stuff going again, then the game finally really opened up to me and I got totally hooked and then couldn't put it down. Well, but at first playing Exodus, I was a little, I was a little, um, I feel like Exodus started off with like, you know, zero to 60 in like two seconds because of the way the game starts. But then when you hit that first hub world, it definitely like it, they hit the emergency break and s- stops everything. Yeah. And I, I get that completely. Cause it starts off with a banger. I mean, it just, it it hits you quick right there the that first mission so yeah and there's a couple like game design choices that after finishing it i totally respect what they were doing and i really appreciated what they were doing like the way they had you do the map and the compass navigation really 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 immerses you because you have no hud there's nothing on the screen i totally get it it was a really cool way but when you played the other ones like back to back and then you get to that, it was so kind of jarring at first. It took me probably a good five to eight hours just to get used to that. I kept wanting to like, I was like, can I just have the old screen back? God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, by the end of it, though, I was totally like, all right, I'm okay with this. I still don't love it. But but I loved that I had no HUD. I had no clutter on the screen. You could just view the amazing world. Um, yeah, that last area of that game that kind of gives you PTSD if you played the first game <laughs> when you get when you're looking for the uh, the cure. Mm-hmm for that character and you're being attacked by those giant creatures that I think they're the same ones from the library level on the first game. I was like, Oh my God, not these things again. No, I was like, no, well, those, no I think they're different because the librarians, are they, they, they left you alone if you didn't attack them. Yeah. They look pretty similar. They're giant ape looking uh, things. I'm about to look that up. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying they were, but they they gave me the same kind of vibe. I was like, "Oh, great, giant gorilla things." That's just great. That's just great. <laughs> um, and this game is even more uh, your morality choices and your teamwork and your um 
choices you make during the course of the game really determine the ending of this game, depending on like, you know, who makes it out and who doesn't. And uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and it just had a lot of heart, this, this game. Um, and it really opened up the world. And after Exodus, they're saying that uh, the developers are saying that this will be the last game with RTM as the main character. They are working on a fourth game, but it could be a different character in a different part of the world. So we don't know anything yet. We won't know anything until they unveil it. And I know probably you and I are really looking forward to it because after playing these three, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what this development team does next, considering that they're a small team out of the Ukraine. Hope they're all safe. I heard one of them uh, lost his life during this uh, Ukrainian-Russian conflict, which is very sad. Now, hopefully the rest of them are safe. Yeah, it's just a wild trip what's going on over there. I mean, there's been several really cool games that obviously have had their development impacted because, you know, people are struggling with their day-to-day lives because, you know, they hear sirens, they have to take cover. I mean, it's just it's a trip. I couldn't imagine. So yeah, I just yeah. looked it up and there's they they're saying they're similar to the librarians. So yeah, you're probably on to something there. Well they they behaved very similarly. They were you know, I was like, these these remind me a lot of those guys. Granted though, I feel like yeah. though in Metro Exodus, they were a lot more pissed than they were or agitated than they were in the first game because the first game you kind of come in very nonchalantly whereas in the second game you're busting through right right in exodus you're busting through trying to make it work so because you're there for reasons very important reasons that dictate everything so yeah no i mean i think one of the coolest things about exodus is how the game kind of flips the whole narrative of the first two games upside down mm-hmm. in a way like it and it does it to the characters oh even. yeah not just to the oh, players yeah. it does it to everybody you know you just get to this like and it's right off the bat it's just like uh-huh. hey, guess what everything you know you don't really know and it it was such a cool moment to have like to the point where if you go play this games and you haven't played it the first time. I don't want to ruin that for you because it's a cool experience to see as you go through it. Because I mean, we said it earlier, 2033 last light, they did such a great job building this world of dreariness. I mean, just dirt and grime and just like, I don't know how I'm going to survive the next day let alone the next 20 years in these tunnels Mm -hmm. that i mean i can't imagine like i could not imagine being stuck inside of a metro or subway tunnel for the rest of my life like that sounds god awful and they do a good job of depicting oh yeah kind of life like when you run into kids there and they're like just filthy sick and yeah, <laughs> they don't have any toys, and all people talk about, especially in the third game, is is procreating to create more yeah. kids because the population is at like a super low level. And then you got the whole like yeah. you know like 
everybody's building fires to, you know, stay warm and whatever. And I'm like, where, where the fuck is the oxygen coming from? Like, how is this even possible? So it's just, I mean, I questioned that many times throughout the game, but still it's just, it's a, they show how hard that is, you know, the life that is in those tunnels. I can't even imagine the amount of like what the population would be. Like, I would love to go through and find some, you know, estimation stat of what the population of the amount of people living in these tunnels really is because, you know, whatever, like one of the things I read on the wiki page that I was going through and I, and I guess I never haven't learned this. They ate mushrooms, like they grew mushrooms, which totally made sense because there was mushroom farms all over the place. That was like their main <clears throat> source of food. You know, I, I, I fucking hate mushrooms. I don't want to eat a mushroom. <laughs> and here I am thinking, well, damn, I guess if I, if it's a matter of life or death, I guess I'll eat a boatload of mushrooms to keep going. But damn it, right. I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to do it at all. Screw it. I'm out. Mushrooms. Goodbye. Straight up. And there, and that this game too has a lot of there was there were some scenes that were straight up reminded me of John Carpenter stuff too, especially um when you go back to or you go into one of the Russian bases like where the Soviet command was supposed to be and Miller's all excited. He's like, they're going to know what to do and we're going to save everybody and this is all going to be good. And when you get there, it it's totally not what anybody wanted. And it's straight up reminds me of a scene from escape from LA that had Bruce Campbell in it. And I was like, wow, this turned real crazy really fast. And it was so cool. I was like, holy crap. And that was that part gave me vibes of the first two games because that part just turns into a shootout right away. It's just like, Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. It was nice. Cause there was a couple slow parts and then you get to that and you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, um, that was such a cool area of the game. And the, the environments on that third game, you could tell they were flexing their muscle on. <clears throat> we went from the Metro to like a snow area back to another like Soviet style base. <clears throat> and then you were in like the water town and the desert, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that was all cool to have those different environments represented. Um, and you got to like drive up. They really like the gameplay got huge. You could drive a car, you can modify a lot more weapons. You can uh, craft certain ammo out in the field. Like the mechanics of the game just expanded a lot. And the gameplay itself was really, really just amazing. Speaking of weapons, what was your favorite weapon? Uh, well, I definitely in the third game I came to really like the the pneumatic oh, dude, rifle. That pneumatic rifle was the best weapon in all I did, the games. I right, I didn't really use it in the first game. In the first game, I was all about using the silenced AK and silenced pistol. That was and the shotgun, the shotgun that had like the eight round clip oh, or whatever. Yeah. When you're fighting those big like bear things that come after you, I was like, get off of me. Those are the three things I think I carried the most in the first game for sure was a silenced AK, silenced pistol of some kind, and then or like the cheap SMG thing, or the the my favorite was the shotgun with the uh with the eight round clip. Mm -hmm. At first you get just the double barrel one, which works, but when you when you find one with the eight round clip. I like the 
right? It's massive shockers for people that know me. I actually really liked the crafting system in the third <laughs> game because it was really simple yes, it was. and didn't, you know what I mean? You you picked up your stuff and you could craft your stuff and it wasn't it wasn't a pita to do things and you could junk parts off any gun. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I heard when you do pl- the second playthrough, uh, the new game plus, you have more crafting options in your backpack. Like you have almost as many as you do from the crafting table, but the game's a lot harder. So that may be why. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. Well, and the pneumatic gun though, for me, like I carried the pneumatic gun and the shotgun the most often, but the pneumatic gun was so great because it could work like a medium range weapon, but also as a <clears throat> sniper. And it, yeah, it was completely it silent. Was silent. Didn't draw I mean, any you're attention. shooting marbles, essentially, <laughs> you know, marble, metal marbles. And I just love the whole like, you got to pump it up and then you can over pump it when you needed to, to, you know, definitely take some I like the railgun version that you get near oh, the yeah. end of the third game. That one was amazing. I was like, this is awesome. But yeah, it, <laughs> like it was just such a really cool gun that I don't think I've ever seen in any other game and and it was silenced. You know, you could go around and just pop people and sneak through all the areas that you needed to and you know, as long as nobody heard you and I believe if I remember correctly, like you recovered ammo from it, which is one of the reasons why I liked it the most. The crossbow you could recover ammo from. And I think maybe in the first game, the pneumatic gun, the first two games, but in the third game, you didn't recover ammo from it, but you could craft the pneumatic ammo all the time. And basically as long as you kept finding scrap metal, you could make, the pneumatic ammo was pretty that's why i used it a lot in the third game because ammo was even more scarce in exodus than it was in the first two like i didn't use the uh the ak nearly as much in exodus because ammo was super scarce super scarce now i i don't recall the differences in weapons but i know when i played one of the the sam story dlc in exodus there was some really fun Weapons, especially like there was like the Sammy, um, which is his version of the it's a submachine gun ish gun, but it just I mean it cleaned house. It was fun to use. Um but yeah, like I don't really recall using any of the automatic weapons all that often. I was all shotguns because if I didn't kill it with my pneumatic gun, it was probably getting close, and I wanted to just destroy it in one blast if I could, or hate as I had the you know barrel canister with it. So yeah, it was just I don't know. The weapons were cool, the environments, the sneaking, the you know just you're right. The it's I don't know. Like it just feels like it. It's tough for games to especially games to nail the world and environment and atmosphere all in one go lately like you get good stories but you kind of like you're looking at the world and you're like eh, the world is just kind of repetitive or you know procedurally generated and doesn't seem very um unique but on a metro just hits it like i just don't get how a game like this didn't get 
as much fanfare and flowers as it should have because it is easily one of my favorite franchises in the last 20 years of gaming easily easily favorite franchise top five top five it's pretty yeah i'm i'm i was blown away and uh i'm very glad that i have experienced it and and like for me last year with bioshock it was like oh here's a series i somehow missed playing and now i have to tell everybody about it that is even remotely interested in a really good story driven first person i wouldn't even call it a shooter it's really an adventure like the shooting is a big part of it but so is hiding oh yeah sneaking <laughs> scrounging the um, first two games yeah, for it's, sure it's, the third game you can do a little bit more shooting, but yeah, the first two games is definitely a you know, you have a lot more choice, I feel like, with what you do. It's even a little bit survival yes. horror at times. Like there were moments that was like Resident Evil where I was like, Okay, I have eight bullets, one air filter, there's two giant monsters out there and I can hear some ghouls around the corner. I'm not gonna get out of this, you know what I mean? And then you would find your way uh, you would find a hidden door, or you would burn a spider web, and magically you found another clip of ammo or something. And yeah, really, really amazing games, amazing story. Um, I'll definitely have to check out the books at some point. I know the books, the story is different, and they did that on purpose. Even the the writer of the book said, you know, for the games, we can't, you know, do exactly what the book's doing because the book is more introspective on the character, and the game has to be more entertainment, right? Yeah. Well, the um, first book in the first game kind of go hand in hand it's after that it kind of diverges from that but i believe you said earlier in the show like the writer came on board with the studio Mm -hmm. so that way he could help them tell the story that made sense and not necessarily like and have their blessing of the the original author to diverge in ways that make sense and are enjoyable to the story. So I think that's really cool that, you know, they just didn't go and do their own thing completely and ignore the source, if you will. Right. For sure. And that's, you could tell that that was a, a, a love passion, like a passion project for him to get, the game made and and maybe maybe we'll see uh, a movie or TV show. Hopefully, a good one, not a not a substandard thing. Games don't have a greatest track record, especially with what you jib me with. Their, yeah. uh, <laughs> as far as an adaptation goes. All right, Finn. Any last thoughts on the Metro game series story books? What have you? I think that if you have not played Metro 2033, Last Light, and Exodus, and you've listened to this show, and I think we've done a good job. Like, I mean, we've spoiled some things, but I think it. I think we did a pretty good job of not spoiling a lot yeah, of things. But, we could have totally. Oh, we could have gotten <laughs> further. But my point is, we've given enough details that. They may not be, some things may not be as surprising to you as you get to it. But the, my point is go play it. Uh, I know oftentimes on PlayStation, Steam, and Xbox, they, these 
the Redux goes on sale pretty cheaply. They had at Christmas time, they had the whole trilogy on sale for like 15 bucks. Oh, yeah. And I bought it for three of my friends. It is it is 100% <laughs> worth it to go through and, and, and play it. The, the first two games are a little rough to get used to at first compared to modern games, but the story, the atmosphere, you get sucked into it and go play it. There is zero reason to play it. And, and I really hope, and I said this to you before we recorded, I, I would really like to see 4A games if they continue with the Metro games. I mean, there's no way, no reason why they couldn't, you know, flip the script and go to the United States, you know, New York City or. Yeah, what was happening on the. Yeah, North like American it'd be so. Continent. It'd be kind of cool to see if there's like parallels in, in a way to these. You know, Russia, I mean, go and once you play the games, go check out some of the details of like that have come out about the, you know, the war that led to these nuclear bombs going off because it it it's very vague in some ways, not knowing who really is the act, you know, the edge antagonist antagonist of this whole thing. So it'd it'd be interesting to see. Um you know, maybe a U.S. perspective of these events and how it goes. Um, but yeah, totally worth it. The Sam story DLC was fantastic. Sam became a favorite character of mine through Exodus, and I was really glad to kind of hear his story. Uh, I I want to try check out the two kernels, which is something you alluded to in the in the Exodus game. So yeah, here soon, and because it's a really cool thing that they talk about in the game and it, I mean, immediately when they talk about it, I'm like, I want to, I want, I wish this is something we could explore. And lo and behold, here it is. There's a DLC that explores this world. So anyways, that's it for me. Go play Metro, go play it, go play it, go play it, have fun, you know, get your pants cleaned out every now and then, because you never know what happens. Go play it. All right. Thanks, man. All right, you've been listening to the Retro Futurist Culture, a production of Ruminations Radio Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review our show. We'd love to connect with you on our social media. You can hit me up on Twitter at Futurist Retro. Please visit ruminationsradionetwork.com for additional great shows such as Ruminations of Red Rum, Ruminations from the Red Room, Oh God, It Hurts, Brevity Box, Cinephile Hissy Fit, many more. Support our network at patreon.com slash ruminationsradio. And for all your burning questions, drop us an email at ruminationsradio at gmail.com. We out.